thought 21 Pilots were brilliant, as I am a very big music fan. And Post Malone was different class, I thought, even though it's not really my band. My kids were beside themselves. So any opinion on me being there, good or bad, to see my kids' faces, I'm telling you now that I'll be there forever, so I'm happy with that. It would be nice if all the teams went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger. Hello and welcome to Forward the Hamlet. Uh, my name is Ben Sibley and uh, thank you to Sean Deitch there for uh, confirming the quality of Post Malone's performance at Reading Festival. And also thank you to Hugo for joining me once again. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing? I'm very well, thanks. I'm reeling from that uh, content from Sean Deitch, which you shared with me earlier today. The, the gravelly tones of Sean Deitch, you love to hear it. Uh, and he loved uh, 21 Pilots and Post Malone at Reading. Um, good that he could have a bit of a knees up with um, all the GCSE students who are no doubt reveling in uh, Berkshire I imagine his, last weekend. His head must have got rather sunburned. <sighs> yeah, just a bit. He's he's ripe for the picking in that department, isn't he? Um, but have no, you been? Yeah, good. Um, I've been watching a lot of football. Uh, when Classic. I yep, believe it or not. Uh, when I haven't been watching Dulwich I've been seeing uh, the Arsenal under 23s a few times uh, they're at the Emirates on Friday uh, drew with Everton and then I saw them play Northampton this week in the Football League Trophy which we might touch on a bit later in a different context um, been doing a bit of dating as well Ooh. Uh, but maybe the less said about that one the better <laughs> hands on the table please um, how about you what have you been up to uh, I suppose the standout moment over the last couple of weeks is the bank holiday weekend, uh, which was a lot of fun. I actually spent it having a nice little two-day, two-and-a-half-day holiday in Finsbury Park. Oh, yeah? North of the river? North of the river. Uh, stayed at a friend's house and ventured around the local area. Spent a lot of time in the faltering fullback Good on, pub. on the Saturday, which is a cavernous brilliant pub it is uh, yeah, the, I think the last time I was there I was sh- sheltering from the rain and um, it got very like foggy in there so much so that my glasses were like sweltering <laughs> up I wish I had my little windscreen wipers out uh, it's been a good week for sportsmen with glasses hasn't it <laughs> oh, nice little segue there oh, uh, has it yeah um, <laughs> not just Danny Mills who recently scored another brace for us but uh, the man we're talking about Mr Jack Leach um, the, the the man of the hour at Headingley over the weekend. You enjoyed it, didn't you? I uh, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I never thought I could have a sporting summer as good as last year's. But uh, Ben Stokes, uh, along with Jack Leach, has uh, has certainly given me a summer to rival last. Yeah, it was brilliant, wasn't it? And um, fair play to them both. Yeah, and uh, just one last thing. I went out in Camden on Sunday. Oh yeah, uh, which was Camden seems to be this like micro micro ecosystem that isn't really London. It just feels like you're going out in a provincial town. I felt like I don't know why Northampton was on my mind. Maybe it was because you went to Sixfields. <laughs> I said to a friend, it was like we were going out in Northampton. Went to the Camden Head, which I'd never heard of before, but apparently is one of the good places to go out in Camden. Which is a pub that turns into a club. 
uh, club, if you want. <laughs> uh, and it was actually really fun. So I was great. quite surprised. Well, it sounds like you had a good weekend. Yeah, had a great weekend. Um, anyway, yeah, I thought we'd uh, kick off with a few roundups of local games. Local games? Recent games. And uh, that begins with a, a trip to Hemel. Runner Olufemi here, Jeffrey Monacana. Pass in, floats in across. Mills arriving, Mills scores. Dulledge back in the game, 2-1. Right on the stroke of half time. A timely goal from Danny Mills. Now, Hugo, I know you uh, attended this. Was it a Tuesday night game? It was, yeah. Was it as bad as a 1-0 defeat in Hemel on a Tuesday night? Sounds like it was. Maybe even slightly worse. Excellent. Uh... So we set off for this one quite early. I, I got a lift up there and uh, with the camera crew who've been oh, yeah. few, uh, filming a few bits around the around the games recently. Yeah. And the plan was beat the rush hour, leave London about three, you know. We ended up beating it comprehensively, so we got there about three hours before kickoff. Uh which is far too much time to spend in Hemel Hempstead. Um but what I would say about this one is it never felt quite right. Um, I think we're coming off the back of a good beginning to the season. Um, this was the fourth game, uh, and we we'd won three dubs in a row. Yeah, uh, we'd had a really good start to the season. So you know, there was obviously a bit of pressure building that you know we we we'd continue the run at Hemel, but players all travelled separately. There, there was no coach for this game, and. Just sort of mingling around the ground as as I had to be doing really because I was there so early. It just sort of felt like the the atmosphere wasn't quite right. And you are in Hamels. So. Yeah, they 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 just seemed a bit. Like, you mean the players? Yeah, yeah. I think having to drive all that way up, which some of them did, um, just not the, necessarily the best preparation for a game. Okay, and it. it it just felt that they were like a little bit unprepared for it um, and when we conceded there just wasn't that much of a response it was we, early wasn't it yeah we did concede in the first half like probably about 10-15 minutes in and there were a few chances like Christian Smith had a good chance from a corner um, Barnes had a like really should have had a header um, in the second half but I don't know after the, after the way we'd started, kind of firing all the cylinders, it, it it did feel like a bit of a disappointment. But you know, it it's not an easy place to go, and you know they've just beaten Billericay as we've seen, so they clearly are a good team this Hamill side. Um, but are they managed by the ex Concord manager? They and are. They took a load of their players. They including are. Jack Mitten, Sammy Moore, Sammy Moore, the manager. It. Yeah. Um, Classic non-league escapades. Manager moving and taking half of the squad with him. Yeah, um, but he's not necessarily just on league actually. But he seems to be doing a good job there, um, as he had done with Concord the season before. Like he's he's um, wise at this level. Um, so yeah, a bit unfortunate that one, but uh, it was kind of off and on to the next. I, I I don't think it's worth dwelling on too long. We go again. We do. Uh, who was up next? Concord Rangers. Concord Rangers, yeah. Um, I actually was a little bit late for this game. I've been at the Arsenal Burnley game with uh, with Jules and Pete Lyons in the morning. Did you miss one or two goals? I missed or none. I think I arrived and it was one nil to Concord, and then they scored again shortly after. So yeah, two, two nil down. Yeah, that was um, 
Yeah, if the defeat at Hemel, I didn't make the game at Hemel, but it sounded quite poor. But if that was a dip in form, then this was a, another upturn in form. We started the game really strongly and looked much the better side. And then unfortunately, there was a after maybe 10 or 15 minutes, maybe even slightly less actually, there was a set piece that was swung in from the right, as in the keeper's right, and an in-swinger. And uh, it was a wicked delivery right into the six-yard box. And it's one of those ones where it misses all the players, goes through, and the keeper doesn't know if it's going to go wide or not. So we go, he dives across the goal for it, and he, unfortunately, Ashley Maynard Brewer, pushed it out into the six-yard box, and it was buried. That was 1-0, totally against run of play. And then play went back the other way again. We were on top. And then, unfortunately, the big JC, Republic of Ireland under-21 international, Jack Connors, uh... Not Jack O'Connor's, as he's sometimes been touted as. <laughs> he got caught out of position. I think he might have given the ball away, actually, in an early phase of play when we were building out from the back, at left back, got caught. Um, and they basically took advantage of him being out of position and the space that that allowed them. And a ball went into the box and they buried it. And all of a sudden, you've dominated the game at home and you're 2-0 down, uh, which was a big shame. Play swung again. Um, continued towards half-time, well on top. Uh, and then it happened, and a cross was swung in from the left-hand side, and Danny Mills rose like the proverbial salmon and off his old bounce into the bottom corner. It's a very good header, wasn't first, it? First competitive goal for yeah. the Hamlet. Off the mark in his fifth competitive game. Quite a long time coming, really, considering. Well, you know, he's struggling to spearhead our attack, so of course, it was yeah. about time. Uh, yeah, no, it was a great header, wasn't it? Um, and I think it couldn't have come at a better time. Like uh, Gavin said afterwards, you know, it completely changes the team talk all of a sudden. You're going with a little bit of hope and optimism in the dressing room. Uh, and we came out fighting in the second half. Um, and yeah, it wasn't wasn't long after that um, he scored the equaliser too. Yeah. Um, what do you remember about that goal? It was another it was, header. It was a similar goal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cross came in from, I think it was the right again. And he just beat his marker, beat everyone around him, just powered it into the back of the net, back across the goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, brilliant celebration as well that someone, that a fan managed to get a photo of. I can't remember who it was, but he went over in front of the Tommy Jover and leapt up and gave it the old Dwight York. Yeah. If anyone, <laughs> if anyone remembers that celebration from his Villa and United days. Um, yeah, and then it was 2-2. And then for the last probably 25 minutes, we absolutely battered them. Yeah. We got caught on the break once when ex-Hamlet Loney, Dakari Sheriff, got a bit of space and slammed the post. Um, but we should have won that game. And actually a point, even, it was hard to, it was hard to figure out how I felt. Like, was it a point game because we were 2-0 down or was it a point lost because we were so much better than them? Yeah. Yeah, you certainly take a bit of um, euphoria from it just because of coming from two down. Um, and, you know, the, the equaliser is certainly pretty emphatic. Yeah. Um, I love that celebration as well. Um, I thought it was a, a really um, impressive show of strength, though, overall, apart from those two mistakes. Concord are a solid National League South side, um, and we should have easily got three points, I thought. Yeah. Um, and then <clears throat> we didn't play a game last week, did we, in the week? There was no midweek. So we travelled to Eastbourne on the Saturday, just gone. Um, very, very hot day. Um to usher in the bank holiday weekend and uh, they have a 3G pitch down there artificial um, <clears throat> which 
sort of thing which we ourselves may have to look forward to one day at the new stadium. It soaks up heat. But it does make it very hot and um, <clears throat> the, the the ball does sometimes move in mysterious ways. Um, I think Eastbourne are a bit more savvy to it than we were, but um, they had lost their previous game 5-0, so they weren't coming into the game with a huge amount of confidence. But after a few early chances, they they actually started to like grow into the game, probably the better. And just at that point, we scored. Danny Mills got another header, and it was... Literally, case of just scoring at the opportune moment. Just suddenly, all the all the wind was taken out of their sails. Um, for the second goal, Nairon had it uh, down the right. He out sprinted former Dulwich left back Christian Campbell to whip in a very good ball that Danny Mills then put in the back of that as well with another header. I watching the um, DHFC TV highlights. You see in the foreground like Gavin Caddy went absolutely mad when that header went in. Yeah, and he, I. It's not often I see them properly animated when we score, I don't think. Maybe it's because I'm always celebrating myself, but I'm pretty sure that that's not yeah, yeah, a usual reaction. I think there was something about that. that... They're normally quite composed, aren't they? Yeah. Um, at least when, we, when we're when we doing the scoring. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think like this is probably an example of like something that they've worked in worked on in the training ground. Like, great cross from Nairn as well. Yeah, exactly. Like... You know, you have these little plays that you want to carry out during a game, and this seems to be one of those I execute to perfection. Um, Take on Christian Campbell, ball yeah. into the penalty spot, Danny Mills. Exactly, yeah. it's a winning combination. Yeah. Uh, but of course, the big news that was announced the morning of this game uh, was that Reese Alassane, um, one of the, the stars of the promotion season, uh, has rejoined the club on loan from Coventry City. Um, he was registered in time to play for this game. So he was started on the bench, uh, came on in the second half, and um, playing up top with Danny Mills, sort of slightly off his shoulder, I suppose, with um, with uh, Danny kind of on the last defender. Um, he he was excellent, and he, he got a goal on his return, as many probably predicted he would. Um, it was... Started from an Eastbourne short corner that was... Uh, yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, I saw that on the yeah. highlights. Uh, which is intercepted and... Um, short corners never work. <laughs> well, this is an example of it really not working. Um, a long ball was played on the top that I credited to Ben Chapman because I just sort of assumed that a good ball over the top from 90 yards away from me was probably going to be played by Ben Chapman. It was actually play, played by Ryan Case, yes. which I've uh, I've been corrected on and tried try my best to amend for, which I'm doing again now. Um, so yeah, Ryan Case hit, hit uh, Reese over the top. Reese still had a bit of work to do. He, he had loads of work to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he bursts through. Keeper comes out and cool as you like. Reese just sticks it in the opposite corner. I thought it was such a good finish. And... Um, I I think like we're looking at a more confident Reese now than perhaps we even saw before. Like, you know, he was never short of goals or kind of taking on one on ones with, with the goalkeeper, but like this just seemed like this did look like a football league player turning up and just saying, Yeah, this is too easy for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's not just the confidence as well, but from the from the bits I've seen of him, so the highlights from that game and then uh, the game after that, which we'll get on to, where I saw him live, he now moves like a league player. You know how they're like an extra extra second quicker? 
like to recover or to sprint or to read something or to see a pass he's there and I noticed it when I was trying to keep tabs on Erhan after he left you'd watch him in games for Peterborough and sometimes he'd be a bit like behind everyone else and then as that season went on when he got game time he was on the same level and all of a sudden you've got a player who's on the same level but technically brilliant as well and all of a sudden they look like 10 times the player and I think that's what I'm seeing in Reese. he's yeah. just used to training every single day with players exactly, who are yeah. on that level yeah so he's had <clears throat> he's had over a year now like away from uh, Dulwich and pretty much only solely in the Coventry under 23s really yeah um, and he had a couple of loans last year he went to Ebsleet for a bit but they were in a bit of disarray and I don't think that was a very profitable move for, for him at all yeah. And then obviously finished the, the year on loan at Woking. He even scored a couple of goals back here when, when Woking played against us at Champion Hill and he, he helped them over the line in their promotion in the in the playoffs. Um, so he's already shown that he's more than capable of playing at Conference South. And then the issue is he is obviously not part of the first team plans at Coventry. And if that's the case, then what what's the solution? I don't think under 23s football is really a solution because you're just playing against boys who are going to be younger than him and far further down in their development than he is. And they're not playing for anything. No, exactly. Like, I think this is this is sort of one of the things that I've been thinking about in watching the Arsenal under 23s is that, you know, the reason why they enter into this football league trophy tournament is to play against the senior side and so they can get a run out against like adult men footballers. And there's something there's something on the line because um, obviously it's a cup competition but it's it's more just about testing themselves against like fully developed men rather than boys who they're playing against like week in week out and I think this is the problem now for Reese that he's sort of in limbo between being a football league player and having to come back to non-league to get his experience like to be perfectly honest I think he's too good to be playing for us and I think in these two games he's he's shown that instantly that he's a class above Mm. Um, should we move on to the style game yeah 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 sure uh, it 3-2 defeat at home which was difficult to take considering we went 2-1 up it's very disappointing isn't it um, yeah I don't think I don't think you take anything away from Slough they they came carrying themselves aside who like looked like were wanting to take a win they weren't going to shut up shop and settle for a draw like when they went 2-1 down, they kept pushing. So when they eventually won 3-2, I, I don't think you can begrudge them that. Um, and to their credit, I remember last season too, they they were one of the more sides who were willing to play football. And when we went there and won 2-1, I think we probably came away with similar feelings. Like, oh, you know, we maybe, we dug in and we fought for that win and it was a really good result on the road. And now their fans are probably saying the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we conceded very early on, didn't we? Um, yeah, from memory, it was a header from a set piece. Uh, I, I can just remember, I can't remember who it was, but I can remember there was some really good contact with the delivery. Mm. And it flew into the back of the net. I don't think Ashley had much of a chance, to be honest. Yeah, but we had an instant response, didn't we? Yeah, Jeff Monacana. And uh, that's a point. That front three of which we started the game with, of Jeff Monacana right. Yeah. For those of you who might not know, 
uh, or are struggling with all the new players. Jeff Monacana is the player with the fantastic dyed ginger bun on top of, <laughs> on top of his head. It's glorious. I'm a fan anyway, unsurprisingly, I suppose. Uh, he flew down the right wing, put in a really early ball, curled it around the defenders along the ground, and I think their centre-back missed it as he was backpedalling towards the goal. Yeah. Or sorry, like running back towards the goal. Centre-back missed it. Reese on the run, managed to kind of readjust, control it, and then put it in t- inside the keeper's near post. Yeah. And that, that was a moment where I was like, whoa, he did that. He reacted really quickly. Then he had a split second to decide what to do. And he put it near post over the keeper who was beginning to sprawl himself at his feet. Yeah. It just it just looked like a goal from the football league. Like it looked like a goal that I'd watch it did, didn't on it? the football league highlights. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, had it had it been anyone else, well, had it been anyone else at this level, they probably would have just tried to hit it first time. Yeah. And that way, you're not really getting any control. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Keep really a good chance of saving it, or you're not even going to hit the target. Yeah. Like it's coming with that pace. But just to take that touch, just to kill it. Yeah. And the, that's the other key point. The touch killed it. Exactly. Like he was off yeah. balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ball was at pace. But the touch killed it, and then the second touch, it was in the back of the net. Yeah, but yeah, I do know what you mean. There was like this, mo- there was this split second, and in that moment, he's decided what he's going to do with it. All our hearts are like in our mouths. The ground went silent. Yeah, exactly. Because he controlled just, it, and yeah, went, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh no, like he's gonna, he's gonna lose yeah. it now. Like someone's yeah. gonna come and tackle him, or the keeper's gonna come out. But no, he knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, and I think this is what, this is what we've been trying to say about Reese is just that he is, so far ahead of everyone else in this league yeah. in terms of his quality um, but to have him back is such a coup yeah. and I think it, it it speaks volumes about the management here um, that he's wanted to come back and he feels like it's going to be beneficial for him in the long run to have another little step down yeah. he's here till January who knows what's going to happen after that oh is it that long? yeah I only thought it was a couple of months yeah it's still January so sweet um, you know it's a it's a great asset to have to continue the strong start to the season, yeah. um, and we haven't even finished talking about his goals in this game. So <laughs> uh, this second one, I think there was a cross in, and Danny, yeah. Danny Mills has headed it. This second goal is new good for one of our podcasts from <laughs> last season, where we spent a good half an hour at least waxing lyrical about Slough Town goalkeeper Jack Turner <laughs> uh, yeah D- Danny Mills headed it towards goal I, th- I think you're right from a corner and uh, Jack Turner the keeper flung himself at it <laughs> it was quite a hard ball to catch and land and keep it within yourself but he tried to and he landed and the ball bounced up out of his hands unfortunately I think Reese just kind of again adjusted rapidly like in a split second adjusted his body and kind of twisted it and scissor kicked it in off the post and it was only four or five yards out so the distance wasn't the challenge yeah. it was it was more the height of the ball and where his body was and he managed to kind of contort his body into a position where he could lace it yeah i i was managing the club twitter account on the on the day and uh i i, I called it a uh, overhead kick everything's an overhead kick nowadays isn't it but I don't know. I think your description is a bit fairer, but I only had a limited number of characters. So. Um, but no, it was a very nice goal, wasn't it? Like, just quite unorthodox, but yeah. I like unorthodox goals. Yeah. Um, but it's just that um, that innovation and the, yeah. and the instinct yeah. is what is the kind of thing that sets apart 
those players from players who we've had playing in attacking positions up to this point. Struck me as something that, you know, someone like Diego Forlan would do. Like, (laughs) just this, like, okay. Or Icardi. Yeah, yeah, Icardi, something like that. Yeah, like, this isn't something you practice, but when it comes to you, what, like... I can do it. I can do it, yeah. Um, So that was nice. Yeah. And we, yeah, so we finished the the, the half pretty strongly, going 2-1 up. Was it 2-1 at half-time? It was, yeah. Uh, and then it all unravelled. I think, I think, like you said, Slough continue to come at us and they've got the quality to do that. They've got two Togwells in centre midfield. Sam and maybe his brother, <laughs> someone Togwell. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and one of them uh, had really long hair with a kind of Kenny Beanie yeah, style yeah. Alice band. He was like a low-rent Ben Chapman. <laughs> and, all, and all I just remembered, I sat next to Richard Orlu for this game, the Dulwich centre-back. Do you know why he wasn't playing, by the way? Uh, I'm guessing injured, but I mean he'd played in the Eastbourne game, and Ambrosini had started and then come up at half time in this game. Maybe it's just rotation. Yeah, but yeah. I spent the game sat next to Richard Orlu, and it it was fascinating, like to hear him because he was sat next to uh, some Marvin McCoy. Yeah, Marvin McCoy. So it was interesting to hear them during the game, like talking through it with each other, almost like commenting, commentating on it together from a player perspective and there was one point where Sam Togwell I think it was Sam Togwell the slam midfielder was running through the centre of the pitch being t- chased by uh, Big David Jaha and at one point he kind of he was technically very sound this Togwell and at one point he, he turned on a sixpence and then turned the other way and uh, it was the moment of the game where Richard Orley was most animated and he, he just said no, no, no! That that change of direction was mad. <laughs> so what it was, and like that change of direction came at a time when Slough were really pushing forward. Yeah, and it was it really it didn't really surprise me when they equalised, and it was a hell of a goal. Yeah, um, I'm. I would like to see this again because I think there was a foul on Lewis White shortly before, but their left backs won it off him fairly or unfairly, and uh, he's hit it. A superb strike into the top corner. Um, He's absolutely fucking twatted it. In. Yeah, 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 doesn't he? Um, so, yeah, it flew in on the yeah, half volley. That was 2-2. Um, and, yeah, it, it did just feel like the, the tide was turning in their direction and we we didn't really have the the energy or the, the personnel to, to curtail it. We'd made a few subs at half time, so Amrosini had gone off injured. Christian Smith had come on as a centre back. Um, um, yeah. Chapman Taylor had been pushed up to midfield. Chappers went right Chappers back. Chappers had gone to right back. Um it was a bit messy actually. Yeah. There must ba- have been reasons. Ba- ba- Barnes had moved to left back and yeah. Connors had come off. Yeah. So it was it was all sorts of different changes. People playing not even out of position, but out of position for what they've been playing previously in the game. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, what, you know, I was like, oh, you know, this is a bit weird. But then you made a very good point that they just played like a day previously in as hot heat. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, like, you know, you want to keep things fresh and you hope that the squad that you have to use is going to be kind of strong enough to, to shuffle around and carry each other. But I think unfortunately, like, it was just a bit unsettling. Yeah. The team played like they were unsettled by it. Yeah. Uh, whereas Slough kept their shape and their momentum and they they drove forward for the win. And it was actually Ben Chapman who put in the challenge that resulted in a penalty. 
Um, it was a coming together in the box as Slough were attacking. And it, I think they were basically, well, counter-attacking. Yeah. So he was keep trying to keep up, and I think it was coming together of legs, maybe, or yeah. maybe he tried to get a foot in and it went wrong. But it, like everyone was so tired by that point. The game was played at such a slow pace anyway. Like within again, this is another thing I heard from Richard Orlu. Even after half an hour of the game, he was pointing out the Slough players and saying, like, they're not even closing down anymore. Yeah. Like they can't. They're so tired. They're not they're giving us fifteen yards of space, yeah. but we're so tired that we're not using that space and we're either playing it forward or playing it sideways. So that was that was the context in which this game was played. It was played at probably seventy, eighty percent pace. Mm. Um and yeah, it was it was a tired challenge from Chappers, and yeah, in a way, you can't begrudge him that because I don't think you can expect players to play two ninety minutes of football on August Bank Holiday when it's going to be thirty degrees usually <clears throat> in forty eight hours. Yeah, that's mad. Yeah, I mean, it was a particularly hot weekend, but regardless, it's a lot of football in a very short space of time. When like it's not that long after preseason. Yeah, I know they've had a few games already, but yeah, it's still fresh in the season. Um, so, I think it is probably time that non-league had a look at this because it seems a bit unnecessary. Like they could have played one of these games in the week last week when we had no game, so they could play like Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, which is three games in seven days. Yeah. But instead, like it's this like forty-eight hour turnaround that just seems hellish for them. And um, yeah, I think you know, former Dulwich player Calvin Morath Gibbs was airing these views uh, on his Twitter in in the week. Just you know, this is this is a joke. Like, yeah, um, you know, non-league needs to have a look at this. Yeah, because it just seems unnecessary. Like, I mean, it's not like they're trying to fit the games around a, a TV schedule that no, like, you know, the professional game does. So it, I don't think it particularly makes much sense. To no, and I think having a game on the Bank Holiday <clears> Monday is is a nice tradition. It certainly suits us well when we get a crowd of over two thousand here, which is very impressive. Yeah. But I mean, you could do that and play the Saturday game a couple of days before on like the Wednesday or the Thursday night, maybe. Um, so yeah, I think I doubt anyone in a position of power actually listens to this. But if you do, I think you should have a look at yourself. <laughs> And on that note, I think that's our recent game roundup pretty much complete. So, in the past week, it has been a decade of management of Dulwich Hamlet, a celebration of a decade of management of Dulwich Hamlet for Gavin Rose and Junior Caddy. Uh, 576 games managed over that period. Um, an incredible achievement at any level of football, uh, particularly a non-league level. Yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic, and I think um, it it you can't talk about Dulwich Hamlet today and where the club is um, and what the ambitions of the club are without uh, without talking about uh, Gavin and Junior because you know what what they've done is is phenomenal. Um, and I think the way that they've <clears throat> continued to sort of look at themselves and look for kind of self-improvement and what they've already achieved is just really, really impressive. And, um, you know, we've seen season upon season that the club has done better than the year before. And that's resulted in two promotions, which is brilliant. 
numerous sort of playoff challenges. We had the FA Trophy run in uh, 2017, which is you know a remarkable achievement by the club to go nearly all the way to Wembley. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think you know you can reel off all the players as well who've who've come through these doors and left and gone on to better things too. As as you know, one of one of the things that sticks out um, as part of their careers. But um, yeah, I think just generally to to have withstood the test of time but to also improve consistently during that time and to adapt and to adapt yeah um, because I think each of these leagues has required a different approach um, I think probably none more so than what we're, what we're seeing now which is you know by far and away the most physical league we've we've encountered um, and it, it's been an incredible evolution of the team as well uh, that adaptability you can see in the in the team that won the Division One South when you won something with kids essentially, and then you had the team that became a, a force in the league above in the Isthmian Premier League after that that brought some more know-how and nous, I suppose, players experienced at that level, but also players experienced at levels above, and then now another evolution of you know another way of playing. Um, another appreciation of what you need to to be successful at another level of football so it's not been a it's not you know been a, a short-sighted stubborn approach to management and to uh, a way of playing you know it's not like they came up with one way of playing early doors and they've stuck to it and we've stayed at the same level because of it they've adapted along the way like yeah. You know, if they've had players that would fit a certain system, they've gone with that system. Yeah, they are quite pragmatic, aren't they? Like, you. you I mean, I think the, the broad generalization is to say, like, oh, you know, Gavin plays the right way. And I, I, I've always enjoyed watching his teams. And I think at times he played some very attractive attacking football. But it's not like. It's not like there's like one particular formation or like style that he seems to always like fall into. I think part of what makes a good manager at this level is the recruitment, and I think he's always looked to you know bring in players who can offer something. Like he's not afraid to move people on if they're not performing, um, and I think it's finding the right bits of the puzzle at the right time to get the team to the next stage, which has really been what's so impressive. Um, we'll talk a bit more about Ernest Toomer in this podcast, but I think having someone like him obviously define the team from getting out of the Ryman South and then sort of setting the blueprint for what happened next in terms of eventually getting out of the Ryman Premier, Isman Premier. Um, but, you know... The only real constant in all this is Norrin Clunas, isn't it? Like, um, and I wouldn't say he's necessarily the player that defines that era at all by any means. He's just someone who's been there the whole time. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, what what an, what an incredible achievement! And I think we, you know, we could wax lyrical about the management for a long time. Totally. Um, I think we can leave. Uh, Tom Bale to probably finish off this I suppose celebration of Gavin and Junior's achievement uh, he recently uh, 
interview Gav. Uh, here are both the big men themselves. Congratulations on your milestone this week, 10 years in charge. How does it feel to be here so long and how proud are you to have reached that milestone? Very proud, first and foremost, to um, manage my local team for, for this period of time. Uh, I probably wouldn't have been here if we hadn't continually tried to uh, you know, progress the club and progress the team uh, that long. The club wouldn't have probably wanted me here and I probably wouldn't have wanted to stay. So um, it's, it's, I'm happy that we've progressed over the years and for me going forwards if we can continue progressing the team then I'd hope to stay here longer. But um, if I can't progress the team then I wouldn't want to harm the football club that I love so I would, I'd step aside. But uh, in the meantime I'd like to look back on it with all the players that have played for me and Junior um, over the years and thank them for their service uh, for myself uh, and the club. I'm sure the two promotions are the obvious uh, standouts in that time. What other things stand out during your 10 years that you really look back and enjoy? It's strange, obviously, um, personally seeing young people go on to, to better themselves in their careers, to professional football is great. Uh, the growth of the, the support over the years um, is, is excellent. It's something to look forward to. I'm sure it's good for the players as well. Um, Weirdly, even though we've lost, but you know, getting to playoff finals and, and losing is still an achievement, even though you don't feel that on the day. But when you look back on it, you know, you've pushed the team, and the team have pushed themselves as far as they can go. And there's a lot to take credit for for that when you look when you look back on it over the years. Um, and and sometimes you know you you can only do what you can. And I think those um, those defeats are still are still something to look back on and say you know we've, we've tried to do the best we possibly can. So. There's a lot to, to take to take out of it. Um, I think the club's growing off the pitch as well. Uh, it's good to see that the club means so much to so many people as well. Thanks as always to uh, Mr. Bale. Uh, I think we're approaching any other business, Hugo. We are, yeah. Uh, what's top of the agenda? Uh, well, we mentioned Reese has come in. Uh, that is because there have been some outgoings early in the season. One surprising, one maybe not so surprising. Uh, the surprising one is Adi Youssef has gone to Tombridge. He's dropped down a level to join Tombridge Angels. No, he's, that's that's all. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I was totally lost for a second. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. We played in the first game of the season. Yeah, so ignore that. Um, yeah, he's gone to Tombridge. Uh, he scored on his debut actually. Uh, weekend just gone, which is good. Uh, I was quite surprised by that. But he, maybe Gavin has seen that he doesn't fit the way he wants to play. Yeah, I think um, he's a prolific goal scorer, Eddie. Yeah, he 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 did so well, Folkestone, um, past couple of seasons in in the ESPN Prem, um, and I think this was kind of like an interesting punt on a player who is very prolific. Um, but yeah, maybe he's obviously not going to take Danny Mills' starting place and. With Reese becoming available, maybe it just didn't make sense to keep him on um, the kind of immediate wage bill. So to send them out on loan, I guess kind of makes sense. Um, but also, me also transpired that Dipak and Yemi's gone on loan to Chesson, yeah. um in the division below. Um, so yeah, two of our strikers have gone. Um, I wasn't particularly surprised by that because even though he was our top scorer last season, it it feels a bit like I don't know. I suppose a recent example is a bit like the Lukaku situation at Man United. He's doing all right. He's you know scoring goals, but there's just something that he's not really. It's a bit of a square peg in a round hole. Do you know what I mean? Mm. 
I feel like that's the kind of the situation at the moment. Yeah. Um, I think everyone everyone around the club would, would like to see Dippo still succeed at Dulwich because, uh, you know, he's played his part in recent years. None, none less than scoring the winning penalty to take us up. But, um, yeah, I think just he, pr- he would probably below Addy in the pecking order. And if Addy's surplus to requirements, then Dippo probably is too. Um, so, yeah, with with Lewis White, Nyron, Monacana, and Alessani now joining, all to kind of and Connor Hunt to come back and play yeah, in an advanced yeah, role, probably exactly, exactly, all to kind of play around Mills as the main striker. We've got no abundance of attacking options, really. So, um, yeah. Uh, and talking of uh, players moving around, uh, it's been a fantastic start to his Crawley Town career for uh, Nathan Ferguson, hasn't it? It has. <coughs> uh, I mean, regular listeners will know uh, how fond of Fergie both of us are. Um, he he was always a really enjoyable player to watch, uh, Dulwich, I thought. I really enjoyed the way he played last year. Probably one of the few players to really kind of come out of last year with his head held high, I thought. Um, so I was still a bit surprised when this move uh, came up. I didn't think he was quite ready to go back to Football League, but Crawley obviously seemed to think he was, and uh, they seem to be vindicated in that decision because he's had a cracking start to, to life at Crawley. Um, he's got three goals. No, I checked earlier. I think he's got... Three assists and a goal okay. in his first five games. That's pretty good, isn't it? He scored the winner in the league game uh, maybe last week, which was a 20-yard drive into the bottom yeah. corner. And then he also uh, assisted the winning goal against Norwich City in the Carabao Cup this week, which uh, and also played very well. Had a chance that he curled uh, just around the post towards the end of the game as well, I read. So he looks to have settled uh, wonderfully well. Yeah, it's great. I um, mean, it's another it's another success story of someone who has come from the football league back to Dulwich, uh, kind of got got himself sorted out, got his head down, worked really really hard. I think um, that's something that everyone would say about Nathan Ferguson is that he's a hard worker, he's dedicated, um, and yeah, I think to to see him go back the football league and be doing so well is, is really gratifying he also seems to be combining nicely with uh, another ex Dulwich attacking fielder Panucci Kamara yeah I, I think he assisted Panucci the other day or maybe Panucci assisted him so that's quite a nice thing to keep out for on our various football apps as exactly we, uh, yeah enjoying our <laughs> new season football uh, and another uh, player move uh, is Ern Oztuma has left Bolton uh, and moved to Charlton, which is uh, significant and notable for many a reason, uh, mainly probably because Charlton was a team he was released by uh, at the beginning of his career for being too short. Yeah, um, it's where it all started for, for Owen. He was at their school of excellence when he was um, a teenager. Um, but yeah, he was he was told he was too small and not going to make it when, when he was 16 released um i think he even played for fisher for a little bit before going to turkey for a few seasons never had too much joy out there and um came back to to england played for dulwich and the the rest is kind of history as they say but um yeah a a shame that the the 
the Bolton move proved to be such an ordeal for him. I think um, if uh, anyone had any foresight, they they would not have signed for Bolton in the past couple of years because um, you know tragically they are in big disarray at the moment with their finances and. Um, Erm was one of a number of players who had not been paid for months on end and I think he really needs to get out of there um, as much as anyone really. Um, so good that he's back in South East London. Um, good place to be, Charlton. I mean, actually, they've got some ownership issues of their own, but I mean, I think they have a good manager. He's with some good teammates. Um, he's playing underneath a manager who knows his way around centre midfield. He is, yeah. Lee Bowyer. Um, also knows his way around uh, the streets of Leeds City Centre. Um, Thank Kieran Dyer's face. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very happy for, for him. He debuted against uh, Forest at home. They drew 2-2. I watched this. Uh, it was a cracking game. Charlton are fucking good. Yeah. They've, car- they've carried that momentum from the promotion last season, which teams tend to do. Luton have done it as well this season. Charlton have carried that momentum and they're playing... Um, with the handbrake off, as they say, and they're playing really well. And um, Erhan slotted in and played a really, really impressive game. Um, he came off after about an hour, maybe a bit after, to a rapturous round of applause. Uh, it was just great to see him back, uh, back playing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think we'll endeavour to try and watch him in the flesh at some point because uh, to have him on the doorstep again is too good to miss out. Also too good to miss out on is the Dulwich Hamlet women's team. Exactly. Um, they won their first game at Champion Hill, the first league game against Aylesford a couple of weeks ago. Um, they did make it a little bit difficult for themselves. Um, had a number of chances in the first half before going 1-0 up. Bucket full. Um, so Have they lost a couple of their top scorers from last season, I believe? Yeah, I think they lost two, goal, uh, two strikers. And they've who... both gone to the States. Yeah, uh, two strikers who each scored like twenty goals, so it's yeah. no no shortage of goals to replace there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they went one up, and then Liz Wicks, Liz Wicks got the first goal. It was a free kick that hit the bar and fell very kindly to Wicks. Who she's brilliant, you know. Yeah, she, she's this number ten, who's your classic number ten, who is really got a really good centre of gravity. That's not the right... Is that the right word? Centre... Yeah, centre of gravity. That, is that what they... That's Low centre of gravity. There you go. <laughs> that just missing that prefix yeah. just threw me. Uh, and she's got a good left foot and a good right foot and she, she's got really good touch and nice control and it was probably quite uh, symbolic that she scored their first goal at Champion Hill. Yeah. Uh, first competitive goal. Then we went... We can see it in the second half... Um, can't remember for the life. It was a free. It was a free kick. They Is scored. It? They scored a free kick. Oh yeah! Um, like they just sort of punted one and it got a, got the better of our keeper. Yeah. Um, but then we kept pushing on, um, and it was Liv Bennett who was playing down the right wing, who um, kind of cut inside and just like slid it rather deftly past the keeper. Yeah. Um, so. It was 2-1, and it remained so, and we got our first win at Champion Hill in the league. Uh, about two, nearly 250 people there, which yeah. is a great start. I think it was the biggest attendance in the women's game up until championship level, 
So wow. um, more than they had in the third and the fourth tier at any game uh, that weekend. So very impressive. And um, yeah, we, we're next at home on Sunday the 8th. So next Sunday, if you listen to this, um, against QPR. And um, yeah, it'd be great if we can better that attendance. Um, if you if you're coming to watch the men, uh, come watch the women too because they uh, they're just as good. Um, yeah, they play some really nice football. Excellent. I mean, yeah, I've been to uh, most of their preseason games and that game, and I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. And um, yeah, it's a great addition to the club, like we said before, and so good for them to get that win in the opening game. Um, they drew at Eastbourne in their second game, um, which was the Eastbourne doubleheader over the bank holiday. So the men played on the Saturday against Eastbourne Borough, and the women played on the Sunday against Eastbourne Town. Um, the Sunday was even hotter than the Saturday. I think it was 33 degrees pitch side yeah. from people who were there. They said that it, you know it's pretty much unbearable. A lot of players were you know close to having sunstroke. I think one of the Eastbourne players did come off with sunstroke. Really? So yeah, it was, yeah, it was intolerably hot that day. Yeah, so yeah, good to get a point, even though apparently we deserved three. Um, but that's four points from their opening two league games. So well done, Dulwich Hamlet women's team. Uh, next up for the men is Dorking, Dorking. away. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dorking, who came up. To the league this season, I can't remember. Oh, I don't even know if they've ever been at this level before. Uh, Pretty sure this is the first time they've been this high. So same as us. Um, quite a lofty heights for them. Um, yeah. But they absolutely smashed the Isthmian Prem last year. They won it at Canter. Yeah. Um, and they've been doing all right so far. They had a big loss against the Haven and Waterlooville, uh, a six-nil defeat. Uh, folder found. <laughs> um, that found, folder was definitely fucking found. <laughs> uh, but they're doing all right. They they've won. I think they won their first few games. And, Ten points um, from seven games. So they're three points behind us. Um, yeah, pretty solid start to life in this division. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it should be a decent trip. Um, Dawkins a nice place. Yeah, a few good pubs. And um, opportunity for us to bounce back, really. Next up for the women. Next up for the women, they travel to Aylesford, although the game is actually being played at a different stadium. Um, is Aylesford in Kent? It's yeah, it's out kind of near Maidstone, sort of way. Yeah. Um, and this is in the preliminary round of the FA Cup. It's the first cup game for the women, and. Uh, obviously, as we've mentioned, they, they've beaten Aylesford already here at Champion Hill, so we just have to go and do the business there if we want to get through to the next round. Um, I think a few of us are going to try and go down in the car, so hopefully we'll have some first-hand reporting from that game. I'm certainly hoping to get there myself by, um, by hook or by crook. <laughs> um, and yeah, then the men are back here on Tuesday night against Maidstone. Um, Tuesday, seven forty-five. Under, under the lights. Mason's first visit since they uh, won the league here in twenty fourteen. Yeah, I guess it probably would be. Yeah, they've dropped down <clears throat> to our division this season after spending a couple of seasons struggling really in the national league. Uh, I think they've had a few changes of management. It's been quite a turbulent period after flying up the leagues over the 
past decade or so. Mm. Um, but there's a good relationship between the fans of both clubs after they came here and had a bit of a party on the pitch when they went up. Um, there's kind of a, a mutual respect, I suppose. I think they're quite happy that they're back in the same league as us despite getting relegated. And I think we're quite happy that they yeah. are as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be a Tuesday, but I expect them to still travel in quite significant numbers. So, um, yeah, um, have a uh, have a nice chat with them if you see anyone around. They're all, they're all a good bunch from our own experiences with them down the years. They've made a similar start to the season as uh, ourselves as well. Um, they're a couple of points behind us, 11 points from seven games. Um, you would expect a, a team of Maystone stature uh, at this point to probably push for promotion after relegation. Um, so it'll probably be a tough game, um, despite them losing, unsurprisingly, some key players, including Blair Turgut, yes. who went to Ostersunds in Sweden to mm-hmm. play under... Um, can't remember Ian, his name. Ian Birchall. There we go. Of X something fame. Is he linked to Leeds in some Yeah, so he coached uh, at Leeds Uni with Brian Dean when I was a student there. There you go. Um, and subsequently, both of them have gone on to manage quite extensively in Scandinavia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Birch replaced Graham Potter at Ostersons. Graham Potter having done such a good job there, yeah. taking them up the, up the leagues as yeah. far as beating Arsenal at the Emirates which we both went to yes uh, so and it's now Brian um, but yeah <laughs> their target and Ian Birchall reunited in uh, in Sweden anyway we absolutely digress as always yeah uh, is there anything else you'd like to include Hugo there's actually something I'd like to include which I mentioned I was supposed to mention at the start in our little what have you been up to uh, section at the beginning Uh the bank holiday weekend, if that was a high in terms of having a nice little holiday in Finsbury Park, the last few days, or specifically Thursday of this week, was a particular low. Uh, my girlfriend's dog died. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, childhood dog uh, slash best friend, as, though, as dogs at that age tend to become. Uh, 13 years old, golden retriever. So uh, that was a very, very sad day. Um, R.I.P. B.B. the golden retriever R.I.P. B.B. Uh, so that was a day full of tears uh, and then uh, as the day wore on um, it was as I said it was a day full of sadness uh, and uh, as part of this you know I tried to cheer her up uh, so I kissed her on the cheek at one point and as I uh, pulled away from her again uh, my nose ring <laughs> got stuck in one of her hooped earrings uh, and essentially half ripped the nose ring oh. out of my nostril. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, at which point... I was wondering how that had happened. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my eyes welled up uh, and there was blood everywhere. And uh, to cut a long story short, I jumped straight on the train, went to my piercer at the Circle just off Oxford Street, ran in. She looked at me and said, fuck, we need to sort that now. Took me behind the door, cut the old one off stitched me up put a new one in uh and uh yeah now i'm here and it fucking hurts so yeah that was a good day yeah um, well, i mean it's you wouldn't know by looking at it you're, oh, looking, oh, oh. you're looking good as new but i mean <laughs> jesus yeah that sounds uh that sounds excruciating yeah anyway so yeah that was a, a pretty pointless addition to the podcast <laughs> but there we go i've done it now so anything else from you 
Uh, no, nothing of that. Uh, no? No, not this time. All right, all right, never mind. Uh, the only other thing is, thank you very much to Dulwich Hamlet Supporters Trust, who once again have donated use of their glorious mega container in which we sit and have sat for the recording of this podcast. Uh, I hear from uh, Scully, Mark Skoltok, that they have sold absolutely fucking loads of the Dulwich Hamlet women's shirt, which I am currently wearing, um, and loads of the replica shirts in general. So they've been making a roaring trade, so thank you to everyone who's bought one. Um, They look really, really good. It's good to see them all around the grounds during home games. They've proved very popular. So uh, thanks for the trust for use of the container once again. Hope to be back here very soon. Um, I think that's about it from us. Uh, We are on the social medias. We're on Instagram uh, and Twitter. We don't really use Facebook because, let's face it, it's just a wasteland of parents being weird now, isn't it? (laughs) And dog videos. (laughs) I mean, we are on there, but we rarely post on there. And when I do, you get like 18 likes and we've got 600 followers. So what's the point? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're part of the hard, Hardcore. Hardcore? Holdfast Network. Yeah. It's so long since I've done that. <laughs> but we are part of the Holdfast Network, which is a network of podcasts, um, including various others, including the infamous South London Hardcore. Uh, check out South London Hardcore podcast if South London is your thing. Uh, I think that's it for me. Yep. Uh, good night, guys. I've been Hugo Greenhouch. Good night. <laughs> I suppose it is. Yeah, it's getting darker, isn't it, listeners? It's very sad. Uh, goodbye, listeners. We will uh, speak to you again very soon. Well, we won't. You'll listen to us. But yeah, anyway. Bye. <laughs> uh, an hour. <laughs> As always. Back to old ways. Yeah. Oh, that was fun. It would be nice if all Went out and played like swaggering dandies as the Hamlet do. An absolute humdinger from about 25 yards. Get it. Swaggering dandies. An absolute humdinger.